Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This is a daily conversation about scripture, culture, and media from a Reformed perspective. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to engage today's topic. Here's your host, Pastor Keith Foskey. And welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I am a Calvinist. Now, tonight is a very special episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. We are going to be giving you an immediate feedback on the first presidential debate between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. We, when I say we, normally this show is just me speaking, but today I have with me two guests. I have Sam Brown, who is a close friend and a uh, Christian brother and a man I've known and loved now for, for a few years, and I enjoy his input, and he is a wonderful brother, and also Brother Richard Roden, who is uh, also, a, he's a friend I've known all my life, and uh, bo- <laughs> and he is a Christian, and uh, both of these guys are Calvinists, so today, instead of coffee with a Calvinist, you get the trifecta. You get coffee with three Calvinists, and each of us are going to share our immediate thoughts. It's literally 10.55. The debate just finished. Uh, we just got onto Zoom to do this recording. Each of us has our microphone ready. Hopefully, the sound will come through nice and clear and everyone will be able to hear what we have to say uh, but right away I'm going to go ahead and, and bring these two guys in so that you can uh, so that you can hear their voices I want to make sure that every everyone is being uh, everyone is being heard so the first one up is Richard can you hear me I can hear you just fine can you hear me yes I can hear you fine and I think I accidentally just muted Sam again Sam can you hear me I can hear you just fine, sir. You sound like a glorious angel. Fantastic. <laughs> now, I do want to warn everybody who's listening. I said this was going to be an unfiltered debate review from three Calvinists. And what that means is we're all going to share our immediate thoughts. We're all going to say what we think. We may even have some inner disagreement among us because none of us have planned anything. None of us really have brought any notes. If you were watching my Facebook page tonight, you noticed that I was live messaging or live posting during the debate, all I was doing was I was keeping up with what was going on so that, because I knew I was going to do this program. And so we're going to be going through some of the notes that I made, and uh, we're just going to be sharing our thoughts. I, I'm going to go first. I'm going to ask Richard to go second, and I'm going to ask Sam to go third. And that is not because Sam is the least important, but it is because <laughs> Sam is currently wearing a Make America Great Again hat. I know where he stands. And, and I, <laughs> <laughs> and it is not at all uh, 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 going to be a surprise to hear his thoughts. I saw more, it. <laughs> more importantly, you want to finish strong. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we are going to hear Sam last. Uh, my initial thought is, oh, mercy. That was the strangest debate. I, and I have been in public moderated debates. Uh, I, I have been to public moderated debates, and I have watched political debates as well as other type of scholastic debates. And uh, I think that this is one of the strangest ones that I've ever seen, because in general, the rules of time and uh, the, the amount of time a person has to speak, in general, there's a certain understanding that that's going to be upheld. But tonight, it was an absolute free-for-all. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of fingers pointed at Donald Trump saying, well, he, didn't, he, he was the one who kept interrupting. And, and I think he did interrupt the most. Uh, I don't know if either of the other guys will have a difference of opinion on that. But I will say this. Uh, Biden was interrupting as well, but Biden was more, it was more subtle. It was more snarky. He would make little jabs under his breath and little taunts. And so it wasn't as if it were, it wasn't as if Biden was totally quiet and, and, and Trump was the, 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 the bulldog. I think, I think that both of them sort of violated that two minute rule where they were supposed to allow the other person to speak uninterrupted. And that was the term that Wallace kept using was uninterrupted. Well, there was nothing uninterrupted about tonight. And that made it difficult to follow from a, from a perspective of somebody who, who legitimately doesn't know what the issues are or somebody who doesn't know what 
the, what the candidates believed. I think tonight was a was not a good showing on either account to show what they believe. And again, we're all sharing our opinion. I want to hear Richard. I want to hear Sam. But my initial thought is because the debate was so uh, raucous, it was hard to hear what each person had to say. And, um, and so that's my initial thought. I have some other thoughts, but I want to hear Richard. Richard, what, what are you thinking? My initial thought is two words, dumpster fire. Okay. It was just, it was just rough to watch. Um, and listening to what Biden had to say when he got to answer a question fully without interruption, um, he said the things I not thought he was going to say as far as uh, the talking points. And a lot of what he had to say was just blatant falsehoods and things like that. I expected that from him. Um, what I was hoping Trump would do, because I think he missed an opportunity tonight, was to calm himself and to just speak to the issues and to act in a manner opposite of what he's been portrayed as in the media, as, you know, a hothead and things of that nature. And he, he played into their hand, in my opinion, in that, in that respect, because, and I understand why he was doing it. He's been attacked from all fronts for four years, for three and a half, four years now. And he just wants to fire back a little bit. I understand that, but in this setting, it wasn't the right time to do it. So I think he's, he may have lost some points with some folks. And about 25, 30 minutes in, I realized I'm going to learn nothing here. I'm not going to hear anybody's real stance on anything. There's a couple of things that I picked up here and there, but, you know, and we'll talk about some of that going further. But initial thoughts, it was just an outright, it was just, it was terrible on both, by both of them. Both men performed horribly and America learned nothing tonight. Absolutely nothing other than you have two old men who just want to argue with each other and have a gripe session. It's, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay. That is an honest opinion and I appreciate it. Now to my brother, Sam, who is smiling because even though you at home can't see, because this is an audio podcast the, through the magic of zoom, I can see a make America great again hat. I can see a blue muscle shirt and I can see a glorious beard. Uh, and wow, that's, that's a gun right there. A muscle You're gun. Welcome. All right. So, so brother Sam, so would you, would you please tell us how you feel? I'm just going to let it rip. Richard and Keith, I love you both, and I appreciate you as brothers in Christ very much. And as I, I was listening to the debate and watching it and social media surfing, um, I got a lot of the same thoughts from my friend Liz and my wife and um, this girl Jennifer. A lot of other women felt exactly the same way that you two did. Um, so <laughs> he call I, us women? I, think, I think that was a shot across the bow. <laughs> I'm just saying a lot of women felt the same way. And, and but let me just say this, because I worship no sovereign but God and no king but Christ, I can say this. Donald Trump is God's chosen vessel, and he performed exactly as intended tonight, okay? And, and what he needed to do was just keep being Trump. He's been Trump from the day he came down that escalator, and you think that you didn't learn anything, Richard. You weren't supposed to because you're intelligent, you're capable, you're keyed in, you are aware of what's going on. And Keith, you are too. You know who wasn't? Millions of people who were watching that debate tonight. So Donald Trump has to speak to the lowest common denominator tonight. He has to get his message out to as many people as he can who otherwise haven't been paying attention for the last five years. All they've heard is once in a while on NBC News, Russia collusion and all all this nonsense. Well, tonight he got to say, what about the $3.4 billion or million dollars that your son got from the mayor's wife of Russia? They never heard these things. So he was doing those thing, things. Um, and back to the women point, I was going to say, I, I get so frustrated when I hear people say, oh, we need to go back to civil debates. Oh, civil? Like back in 1800, when the Jefferson Adams debate, where Jefferson called uh, Adams a hideous hermaphroditical character, which had <laughs> neither the force and firmness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. In return, Adams called him a hypocrite, a mean-spirited, low-lived fellow, the son of a half-breed Indian squaw raised on hoe cakes. Is that what we should get back to? Or the Lincoln-Douglas debates, which ranged on for three hours all over the state, all over the country. They did dozens of three-hour debates. What do we need to get back to? I think Donald Trump performed perfectly as he needed to, giving a simple message out to people that had never heard it before. 
<laughs> okay. First of all, <laughs> um, I can't help but but that that was uh, that was very well articulated, and, and it was uh, that was that made me laugh. I, I can't I, just just uh, that that was that was a pretty good response. I think. Thank, uh, thank thanks for coming to my TED talk. But but I would say this: you're doing a better job of debating than Trump, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because I know my audience. I know two intelligent people. Conservative Christians are going to be listening to this, not your average Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, in that regard, uh, wow, that was, that was a good response. I, let me ask you this, though. And I don't, I don't know that we've ever talked about this, Sam. I, and, and, and I'm just ask, throwing this out there. Have you – if you were to compare – someone like Ronald Reagan. What are your thoughts? You're, you, you probably have a pretty positive view of Reagan. Is that, is that true? Very, I'm, I'm, much, very yeah. much so. He was okay. the last good president that we had. Okay. And, okay. And, and Trump is, the, is, is right there with him. Okay. All right. But you, do, you would recognize that there is a, a distinction between um, the, 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 the rhetorical savvy of a, of a, of a Trump versus a Reagan. Yes and no, because it was a different time. It was a different audience. People were different. Um, uh, it was a different population, different dem demographics. And again, media has changed in and of itself, right? So whenever Reagan was, had his chance at the first Democrat debate uh, with Car Carter, if, if you go back and watch that, Carter killed him. Re Reagan looked like an idiot in that first debate. Mm, okay. Um, Richard, what would, if you were Trump's coach, what would you have given him as far as advice after, immediately after the debate, he walks off the stage, he looks at you and you're his coach. And I know this is purely hypothetical, but you're the coach, Richard, what do you, what do you say to Donald Trump the moment he walks off the stage? Um, calm down a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, there's a way to be authoritative. There's a way to uh, speak your mind and to get your point across without talking over the other person and without, you know, one way I can put it is kind of like being a high school bully, so to speak. I mean, I understand, like I said before, I understand he went in there wanting to go guns blazing, but you've got your two minutes. And he agreed. And that's the other thing too. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. He agreed to give two minutes and then be quiet so the other side could give two minutes. And he didn't do that near as much as Biden did it. Now, Biden interrupted as well, but there were, there were times, I mean, you could tell 60-40, Trump interrupted, especially in the beginning of the debate, over and over and over again. And Chris Wallace pointed it out. It's better for the American people if each person gets to talk and give a complete response and you can say whatever you want to say. Even Wallace said that. If you want to say, if you don't want to answer this question and answer a different one, do that. But with the bickering back and forth, it just, it just looks like two immature men. And in my mind, while I'm sitting there watching this, thinking about, you know, scripture, and I can't remember the scripture off the top of my head, but where Paul says that you should stop being little children and start acting like men. Well, you didn't have two people acting like men up there. You had two people who are grown children bickering over one another and it just, it wasn't conducive for anybody. So my advice would be to calm down, settle yourself, follow the rules, answer the questions to the best of your ability, and let the American people decide. That would be where I would, that would be what I'd have said to him coming off the stage. Now he, knowing Trump, he'd looked at me and just waved his hand and said, Shh, you don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> that's Trump. But well, anyway, that's, that's what I would say. What do you think, Sam? What would you say if, if Trump walked out uh, to you and, and he had just finished this, this, this exact uh, performance tonight and he walked up to you, uh, what, would, what, what would have been your words to him? Any, any critique at all? Would, would oh, you... I, I do have a lot of critiques, uh, but first let me ask Richard a quick question. Would you have given him the same advice for his election campaign in 2016? Oh, he drove me nuts in the election campaign in right. 2016 with the debates and stuff. He did the same thing then too. Right. And still, and it, and, it, and it, still he it won. bothered me then. Right. He still right. won, yes. Right. And it's always going to bother you, right? Because again, as I said, my point in the very beginning was he's not trying to reach you. He's already got you. You know what, what, what's going on. You are aware of the issues. You weren't going to learn anything tonight. 
Um, but I don't want to go back into all that. Richard, you're awesome. I love you. Um, let me <laughs> let me respond. To we all love each other, and that's good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it's. Uh, I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what we I, have to do this more often. This is great. Okay. <laughs> so my criticisms of Donald Trump are what they always are. Um, he's not a good man. He's not a good Christian. He's not a good person. Um, and I always say, you know, Romans tells us none are good, but he's a particularly bad one. Right. <laughs> so um, I did not want to vote for Donald Trump. I, do, I personally, if I knew him personally, I would not like Donald Trump. Um, I, but, but again, because I believe that God is sovereign in all things, this is his, cho- cho- his chosen vessel. Now, I hope that it's a vessel for redemption and not a vessel for wrath, but either way, I'm good with it either way. My criticisms of Trump are that he's really good at dumbing down the message, but he needs to be better with details right? He uses too many flourishy words, like everything's great, everything's fantastic, but he needs to have specifics. Certain people, you know, when he started talking about in in Tifa, that was good, but critical race theory, he blew that question. He should have nailed that to the wall because that was important because even Chris Wallace's question was so pointed and so wrong and so bigoted and and it lied about what really critical race theory is. He goes, oh, well, you don't think racial sense Sensitivity is important. Of course we do. We're Christians. Of course we do. But that's not what critical race theory is. And so I would like him to be keep his same style because I think it's perfect for like mass reaching the mass amount of people, especially since God forgive me, I don't want to sound terrible, but most people are dumb. So you have to talk down <laughs> to reach a large audience. You cannot speak eloquently and beautifully. And I I learned that at work when I would write these emails and like nobody was reading them i'm like why doesn't anyone do what i ask they're like because nobody wants to read through your four page emails sam right you got to make things simple so i would say more details that are bullet points and he would be the greatest president ever all right that sounds good and and i and and thinking on what you just said sam sort of building on that one of the sad things i would say is that you know we've been talking now for about 15 20 minutes i guess uh and we're still talking about the the behavior of the men not really what they talk about you were the first one really to bring up an issue sam Mm -hmm. and that's the critical race theory issue Mm -hmm. he did not address the critical race theory issue but what what um I'll, I'll go to Richard first. Richard, what do you think was the, uh, other than the critical racer, I think, I think all three of us would agree that was a, a missed opportunity. What, what do you think was the, the, the biggest surprise to you tonight as, as they were going through the topics that you said, you know, I'm surprised he didn't do, I'm surprised he didn't nail that better. Or I'm surprised he didn't address that more clearly. And I, I have one, but I'll go last. I'll let you go. Um, for me, it happened early on in the, in the beginning question concerning uh, the nomination of um, the Supreme Court Justice, uh, Amy, Amy Barrett, um, when they were discussing back and forth about her, uh, this kind of went under the radar, but it was something Trump said in response to Biden. Biden, you know, of course, immediately brings up uh, the abortion issue and how putting her on the court could end Roe v. Wade and how terrible that would be to end Roe v. Wade, you know, it's horrible that we want to end the slaughter of millions of American babies, you know, but who anyway, want to do that? who would want to do something crazy like that? Well, apparently not Joe Biden because he thinks she's a threat for that. And then if you caught what Trump said, Trump said, well, who said that she's going to do that? Mm. Who said that's how she feels about it? Yeah. And right there, that's telling about Trump. And this goes back to what we, what people have been saying for a long time and what we've seen in the Supreme Court, it doesn't matter who we put on the Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade ain't going to get changed. It doesn't matter who you elect for president, Roe v. Wade ain't going to get changed. Just because Amy, Amy Barrett's going in there, if she gets confirmed, Roe v. Wade's not going anywhere because it's one of those issues that nobody's going to touch. And Trump's even, it's telling right there that Trump is even somewhat not that concerned about it because he's willing to tell Joe Biden, who said she even feels that way? Like, it doesn't matter. That was telling somewhat of a surprise to me. He could have made a firmer stance on it, at least, you know, but he didn't. Um, so that one stood out to me. And then, of course, like the critical race theory. 
And to speak to the critical race theory, I'm not so sure. Trump understands why it's bad, but he don't understand what it is. And I don't think that's why he could articulate what was really wrong with it. He may be kind of not in the know on that one to a degree. So, yeah, he missed on critical race theory. But I thought the comments on abortion were somewhat telling. Yeah, I want to I, I want to follow up on that before I go to Sam. That that I had the same thought. I, my only and I'm not defending him because on the issue of abortion, I'm <laughs> I I think that we have as a, as a nation, I think that we have we have uh, courted the judgment of God for a long time mm-hmm. regarding the subject of abortion. Um, but I do think that I think he was trying to be a politician in that moment. Okay. I think he was saying, who said she was going to do that? Uh, I, I think everybody knows that she's pro-life. I think based on the fact that she has Roman Catholic ties, that she has said that she believes that, I, th- I think that she said or wrote at some point that she believed Roe was bad judicial precedent or something. So I, I think, I, I think everybody knows it. I, th- I think that was his, I think that was his, his way of saying, I don't want to go there. And I agree with you. He should want to go there. That sh- right. he should, but I think that was, I think that was political maneuvering on his part. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. So I'm just going to say she didn't say that. And that's true. She hasn't said it. So that kind of puts it to bed. I'm not, again, not defending him. I'm just saying, I think I saw it as, I, I saw it as bad, but I saw it. I said, that's, I said, that's a political move in my opinion. Sam, what about you? What, what would you say is the uh, tonight in regard to the, 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 uh, individual specific statements, which one do you think uh, stood out to you the most? So um, critical race theory was, was the biggest miss for me. You can hear me now, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I yes. hear you. Yeah, critical race theory was, was the biggest miss for me. And I've already discussed that. So I want to jump back to what you guys were saying about abortion. Um, so the, the problem is, and again, Trump is a CEO, so he talks in bullet points and you know, thinks in big thoughts. The, but the problem is that most people don't understand, and I've had to explain this to 100 people this week, is that that's not how the court works. That's not how laws work. That's not how court decisions work. A- ACB isn't going to sa- saunter in and go, by Roe v. Wade, right? There has to be a court challenge that they will then rule on, right? But even when they do, when Roe v. Wade was decided and it became the law of the land, no, it didn't. It, uh, the court doesn't write laws. Right? Right. They, they struck down one state's law and suddenly all of the other 49 states said, oh, okay, well, I guess we can't ever do that. But that's not how courts work. So I, I think that, that the biggest miss that, that Trump has done in his entire presidency, and I'm not sure he's even capable of doing it, is being a teacher and teaching people, that's not how this works, right? So whenever Joe Biden says, oh, she's going to end abortion. Well, Joe, that's not how this works. You know, yeah. and I think that that that's the biggest miss. And unfortunately, I just don't think he's capable of it. Yeah. Well, that, and to speak to that real quick before we move on is um, I agree with you 100 percent on that. It's not how it works. I understand that's not how it works. It's just uh, I was speaking to the fact that you have so many voters who they vote based on someone's abortion stance, thinking they're going to end it. Mm-hmm. And they never do. We got to we got to quit thinking that just because someone says they are against abortion, that means they're a qualified candidate. Yeah. Yeah. We because they're, to... they're not, they're not going to end abortion. It's not going to happen. It has to start, like you said, at a, someone has to raise a case and the court has to overturn it. Yeah. So, and, but, but, but I, but, but I would say this, um, <clears throat> Al Mohler made a good argument in, on the briefing recently. He talked about the fact he talked about one issue voters he said, there's no, he said, there's really no such thing as a one-issue voter. He said, because if there was a one-issue voter, the abortion would be the one issue that, that so many of us would say is our one issue. He said, but what it is, is the one-issue voter is, is actually tied to a worldview that makes it a multi-issue voter. Because mm-hmm. if you are against abortion, that means that you have a certain view of life and you have a certain view of the dignity of human mm-hmm. humanity, probably tied to the Imago Dei, the, the image of God and, and all of those things. So it becomes, a, this is why if somebody said, well, I, I can't vote for a candidate because of his view on abortion, that's not going to be the only reason you can't vote for him. It's not like he's, it's not like he's a Christian, hundred percent, everything. He just believes in abortion. Oh, I can't vote for him. No, because when he believes in abortion, he's, he's going to have a, a lot of baggage that goes with that. I, I just thought, I thought Mueller made a good point there and, uh, and kind of just following up on what you guys said when we talk about the, the, the issue of abortion. I, I am, I pray every day 
that God would end the murder of babies in our country. Um, I'm an absolute abolitionist. I don't believe that it needs to go slowly. I, I believe it needs to stop by the rule of law. Um, and, and, and whatever that looks like. And I, and I know it would, be, it would be a very difficult thing to accomplish, but nothing's too difficult for God. So I pray that God would do that. Um, but that, I think, I don't remember who said it. I think it was Richard who said it. There, one, 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 one candidate's not going to come in and do it because unless God decrees it, as Sam has mentioned, God is ultimately in control. Um, we know that not one you know, president or whomever, or, or one Supreme court justice, because there is a process and that process is going to be, is going to be lengthy and, um, and sad. Yeah. Now the process got started and it got to that level. Well, with her on the court, then we have a higher chance of it being able to overturn maybe, but um, we got to get the process started. It's not going to start with the Supreme court. It's got to start at the lower levels and work its way up anyway. So now I just I just got a uh, I just got a notice from Zoom saying that we are we are uh, we're hitting a close to the forty minute mark, and that and that 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 is actually uh, that's a good thing because that means this is actually a mega edition. Uh, if the, if if James White's dividing line can have a mega edition, I can have a mega edition of Coffee with a Calvinist, and and today's three Calvinists, you get three times the goodness. Uh, mega mega the mega mega edition. That's right. Yes. Oh boy. Um, you're welcome. Uh, I, I want to bring up my one thing because you guys both had an opportunity, uh, and and if something happens and we get cut off, then um, I, I apologize. I don't think I think it said it's going to give me some extra time here, so, because at forty minutes, if you with Zoom, it might cut us off. But I, I hopefully it won't. Uh, so if well, you're listening, I got a notice that said this meeting has been upgraded to unlimited minutes. Oh, awesome! Well, then we can keep. Then we can go all Sweet. night. Let's do it. All right. Well, I want to I want to bring up my uh, the the one thing, and this is a, the, the, some some people might say this is a small issue, but it was towards the end, and it was the issue of climate change. Uh, I am more and more concerned that the the absolute acceptance of climate change is is becoming a it is a political football and they're saying this, you have to take this football and run with it. You have to accept what we believe is human caused climate change. And um, that's what Chris Wallace was trying to do to Trump. Do you believe the science of climate change, which assumes that there is the science, that there is this, 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 this one thing that is climate change and that it's man-made and, 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 and Trump dodged, you know, he dodged and weaved. He did not answer the question directly. Uh, but then Biden said, well, you know, I don't believe in a, or I'm not, I don't have the green new deal. I have the Biden deal. And he even said at one point, he said, I am the democratic party right now, which is a, which is a pretty bold statement. <laughs> Emperor Paul Petit, I yeah. am. Yeah. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. Yes, that's basically what he said. Um, but his, uh, the issue of climate change is, is so frustrating to me because the, the solutions are absolutely devastating. The solutions, uh, you know, we all need electric cars, but electric cars, electricity doesn't come out of the ether. It has to be produced and it has to be produced by something, probably some kind of uh, uh, fossil fuel burning engine has to produce electricity or, or p- plant unless we have nuclear plants and things like that. So it, it just seems like a, it seems like a, it's a game. It's like, we want to solve the problem. I see these ads from Amazon. I don't know if you've seen the ads from Amazon. We're trying to become carbon neutral and carbon zero and, and, and have electric, and they have the electric Amazon vans. Um, what, are you, what do you guys think should have been Trump's answer when he was asked that question? Because, again, he didn't really answer it directly. He just sort of dodged it. Do you think that that was smart politically of him? Or do you think he should just come out and say, I don't think, I don't think that this is the problem that, that I don't think it's man-made. I don't think that the problem is what everybody thinks it is. What, what do you guys think he should have said? Well, uh, I'll take a crack at it first. Yeah, he should have just come out and said he don't believe the science because there's just as much science on the other side that claims that it's a garbage hypothesis. Um, there's plenty of scientists that and I've heard Rush talk about it and some other guys like handing his stuff on some of the talk radio shows. 
talk about how climate change is a hoax. And if you look at patterns and, you know, they like to talk, they like to talk about hurricanes or the hole in ozone and all these other things they talk about. Well, if you look at the patterns of the climate, you'll see 10 year cycles that show where you have more this more during this time period and then you'll have less and you'll have more and you'll have less. It's just, it's just a cycle. Um, so yeah, he could have, he could have just took a, a hard stance on the issue and uh, brought up the fact that a lot of climate change discussion is centered around, in my opinion, uh, a power and control kind of narrative, because once you start taking things away and you have the government running all this stuff, then you get more control over, over, over your, your, your constituents. Um, and yes, what you're saying, if they, if they were to go through with like a green new deal or what California is planning on doing by 2035, eliminating all gasoline vehicles, which I saw a meme on Facebook where Prager, you put something out there about, okay, if you get rid of all the gasoline cars and you go to all electric, but the California can't sustain their electricity, how are you going to run the electric car? <laughs> it doesn't, it's, it's, you're just crumbling in on yourself, but you start with taking away fossil fuel run things like trucks and stuff like that. You'll devastate the economy. You'll take away countless jobs. You'll harm so many people. And from a biblical standard, loving your neighbor, well, that ain't loving your neighbor when you're doing something that's going to devastate economically the majority of the country, because I'm sorry to say the world runs on trucks. I drive a truck just to deliver little Debbie cakes, you know, deliver little Debbie cakes delivered to me by trucks. Well, and I, it was funny to me and I'll, I'll stop. I won't be too much longer. I was delivering one of my dollar generals and there was a Budweiser electric car pulled up and they had done the stop they had handled the stop and when they come back out the car was dead they had to plug in i said how long i'm gonna be here oh it's gonna take about six hours to get the car ready to go what kind of so you're gonna sit here for six hours and wait on your car to charge that's insanity but that's what they want to go to that's nuts it's absolutely insane so yeah he just took a harder stance on it period instead of dodging it so what do, you, this, what do you think, Sam? So this is a topic I've been interested in for decades. Um, and I could argue the points of, you know, uh, rechargeable cars have a very short range and the long recharge time. And we go through all that. But what I do whenever anyone asks me a nonsense question, like, do you believe in the science <laughs> of climate change? I go, that's not how science works guys. Um, and so then you also have to then look at what is their presupposition, right? This is, uh, again, it's a presuppositional apologetic sort of thing. What is the worldview that you're coming from? So if you're an atheist or not really a God believer, and you think that the world evolved and that Florida used to be covered in glaciers 40,000 years ago, what do you think melted those glaciers? Yeah. <laughs> global yeah. warming. So thank God for global warming. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, Florida would still be under ice, you idiot. So, <laughs> pardon, pardon my French. No, no, the um, audience is, is, is learning why we invited you. <laughs> so, so all that being said, uh, that we have to answer the question, to what extent does man-made activity – um, feed into global warming. And so you'll frequently hear, oh, it's the hottest summer since 1830. Well, the Industrial Revolution occurred 1820 to 1840. So that means sometime before 1830, it was that hot. Why? If man wasn't creating all this smog and all this carbon, carbon monoxide with their cars before 1830, why was it warmer then? Why was it warm enough to melt the glaciers, supposedly, if they existed, right? So, so it, it's, it really depends on who you're talking to, but you always have to challenge the science. You gotta, you, know, you, you gotta say, what science are you talking about? Explain to me what you mean, because most people can't. Most people just know the sound bites they've heard from Al Gore, and it's been a sham for 40 years. So you're telling me on Zoom, in a public forum, that Al Gore was wrong? I'm telling you that Al Gore is a <laughs> moron, and not only was he wrong, he's a liar. He, he knows that stuff is not true. 
They know it's not true. They, it's it's uh, command and control, I think you said earlier, Richard. That's what it's about. It's about power and control. It's about crushing people's freedom and taking it away. Yes, we should pick up after ourselves. Yes, we should recycle. Yes, we should provide cleaner cars. But hybrid cars have like 600 pound batteries. My wife drives one. You know, what the heck are we going to do with that 300 pound ba- battery in the back of her hybrid SUV when it goes out? You can't dispose of those. Those don't go away. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are toxic. And those are going to be building up for years as long as we have battery charged cars. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, one of the things that Biden said, and uh, I want I want to, we got to start drawing to a close. There's so many things that I want to talk about. I've got a couple of comments on Facebook. I just have to mention one of the things uh, Biden kept bringing up was COVID and, 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 and Trump's failure with COVID. I think Trump has a good argument when he says that ultimately Biden was the one who got onto him for closing the borders and not wanting to open up uh, international uh, uh, travel. So, one of the things Biden said was that the, the greatest danger to the suburbs, or he says COVID is why the sub, sub, suburbs are in trouble. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's one of the things I'm looking at on my post here. COVID is why the suburbs are in trouble. Rather than to say that ever since the riots and the Antifa and these things began to be a problem. Oh, and he said Antifa is not an organization, which is a, a to me is a, is, is, mm. is, is is a huge faux pas, but it's a lie. Yeah, it's yeah, a lie. Yeah, straight up, it's not true. Uh, um, but he, but when he said COVID is the greatest danger to, to the suburbs, I I know that there are people who have gotten sick. I know there are people who have died from COVID. Obviously, I I do think it's a it's 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 very difficult to know what the true numbers are though, because the numbers have been so miscommunicated and. Um, it, 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 my, my question to you both is this. When, when, when Biden says that, do you think that that is, well, I, I want to make sure I say this correctly because we don't know what a man thinks is true. Do you think that they really believe that or do you think that they see COVID as a political opportunity? We can use this, therefore we need to make it seem much worse than it is. Richard, what do you think? Oh, I think it's very much a political opportunity. Um, that's what they view COVID as. Uh, now, that doesn't negate the fact it's a real disease. People have suffered with it. There's been people in my church. There's eight or ten people in our church that have had it, from ranging from elderly to I know a couple of teenagers have called it. And they've all survived it. Uh, most people that I've known that's had it have all survived it. It's have been rough. I, and they major symptoms were nothing more than loss of taste and, you know, just not just feeling run down. And given the fact that I look at the fact we're in the state of Florida and our economy's running, we're just going into phase three and we're doing fine and so forth and so on, it proves, it's proof positive that we didn't need to shut the whole world down. Now, I agree in the beginning, steps needed to be taken. I understand that, you know, because you didn't know what it was and what it was going to do. But after time went on and we've seen it wasn't as dangerous as it was made out to be. And it's one of those things just the idea that kept coming up when you watch it is Biden keeps blaming Trump for the virus. Trump can't stop the virus. He can take steps to maybe improve the situation, but he can't stop the virus. A virus is going to do what a virus is going to do. You know, you, you follow me on that. You can't, you might, you can wear all the masks you want to, you can do all these things, you can take all these precautions, but you got 300 million people in a country the virus is going to do what the virus is going to do. And pe- people in the hospitals who are wearing all the PPE are still getting COVID. It's not, so it's a politically motivated thing because it's one of those things that they've taken. And like Trump pointed out that Biden, you had Biden and Pelosi and all of them saying that he was a xenophobe and all that for wanting to shut down international travel, wanting to shut down festivals, wanting to close the economy. And they're saying, don't do it. Well, now they're blaming him for doing the very thing that they said that he shouldn't do. And why are they doing that? Because they, because he done all those things that harmed the economy. He willingly shut down his economy and shut down all the good that he's done that would, and put a lot of people and businesses out of, out of, uh, out of work and harm so many people. And now they're using all that as talking points in the debate to say, see what he's done 
and how many people he's hurt because he didn't handle the virus well. Well, they wouldn't have done any better. So it's just, a, it's all political game. And in my personal honest opinion, after November 3rd, if Biden wins, suddenly COVID will have a cure and he'll be the hero. If Trump wins, it'll magically disappear because it won't have any more political value. That's just my opinion. I think it's all a political tactic. And it's one of those things that has a 99.9% survival rate. It's not something that we have to be panicking like we're panicking over it. That's my opinion. I'm not a medical expert, but judging by what I've seen, and it's one of those things that's just going to run its course, yep. in my opinion. Yeah, they talked about flattening the curve, not to necessarily decrease how many people would get it, but how many people would get it at one time. That's what they said at the beginning. Now, yeah, not, overrun, not overrun hospitals, right. Yeah, now it's we want to keep everyone from getting it. What do you think, Sam, about COVID? What are your thoughts about COVID? Uh, based on the question I asked. So um, I just want to show you real fast. This is my Mount Trump Moore. It's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. Trump on it. You like Un- that? Unfortunately, yes, but unfortunately the audience won't see it. But it is a, gr- it is a great, uh, it is a great piece it's a little of, sculpture that I bought online. Here's my answer. No one cares about COVID until they get it. Right? Yeah. I don't believe for a second that any of the Democrats give a crap about people who are sick and dying. They want to use it as a cudgel to beat Trump. They don't care about um, the same way they used AIDS back in the day. Um, They tried to use it against Reagan. Uh, Oh, Reagan called it the gay plague. You know, it's just all political posturing. Of course, it's a virus. Of course, it came from China. Those are all things that we have to understand. The real problem is us. We have become such a weak and cowed people. We have turned so far from God that we don't understand how to be men. We don't understand how to be women. We have allowed the family to disintegrate. We have allowed our government to destroy the black family. We have allowed our own destruction and we've done it with and given nothing but our silent, obedient consent while we eat cheeseburgers and watch the view. And it's sickening because Everyone should know better. The dad is out there. We know what happened in Sweden. It's, but if you listen to CNN, you're going to have one idea. If you listen to Fox News, you're going to have a slightly less idea of that. Even Fox News is supposed to be the right-wing channel, but they're not a right-wing channel. They're not a truly conservative and teaching cha- channel. So the problem is us, right? We are, I don't want to say that humans are the virus, which is something that leftists say, but I think that we're the virus. We've allowed ourselves to become dominated in such a disgusting way that from day one, when this all started going on, you can look back at my Facebook post. I started hashtagging the first day. I will not comply. I will not comply at all because I saw what this was from the very beginning. I know I can get sick. I know other people can get sick. I had a, a, a former distant friend die of COVID, not an old girl. She, she, she wasn't very old. She was not old at all. Um, I've had family members, um, uh, distant family members that have contracted it. I have people that have tested positive uh, for the antigens that never knew they were sick. Right. So viruses do that. But um, uh, the real problem is that we've turned from God and we have not, uh, uh, um, lived up to our responsibility to be good, uh, uh, decent, um, profitable citizens of, of this land that God gave us. And we've just, uh, we've allowed abortion in our midst. We've allowed all these hideous things to occur in our name by our permission. And it's disgusting. Amen. All right, uh, lightning round. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to, we're going to finish it up, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You get yes or no uh, 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 answers real quick. Uh, number one, on the subject of the election, do you think we're going to have a – do you think we're going to have an answer on election night as to who won? No. Yes, I think it's going to be a Trump landslide, possibly 40 states, maybe more. Okay. Awesome. Uh, you, by the way, there's a lot of people in my audience who are just loving you, Sam. They, 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 <laughs> you, you, they're going to want this to be coffee with Sam instead of coffee with uh, coffee with Keith. <laughs> yeah. After after tonight, you're like you're not going to need to invite me back on because <laughs> Sam's ruling the day today. Well, I you know you're what? Too kind. 
I, uh, I'm glad that it was the three of us. It's been a good conversation. Okay, so the first, first thing, uh, Richard says no, doesn't think there's going to be a, a candidate that night. Um, I, I hope there is. I, I mean, I think it's going to be awful if there isn't. Um, and uh, I do support Trump. Uh, you know, I, this is my personal podcast. I know I do it uh, in connection with, you know, my ministry at the church. But ultimately, this is my personal thoughts. I get on here and share my personal thoughts. And I can say that I am supporting the president for several reasons, but I agree with Sam. I don't think he's a good man. I think that, uh, I think, but I do think he has done some good things, especially for the economy. And uh, before COVID hit, we did have one of the strongest economies in history and uh, one of the lowest uh, rates of unemployment. It was, things in my house were very good. And um, I make a living on commission. Yeah. I can tell you it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, another question. Another question. Uh, one, one, one person tweeted this. It said, the debate tonight felt like a fight at Shoney's. Do you agree or disagree? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. I guess, I guess I agree for most people who lack wit. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Donald Trump tonight said that he has paid millions of dollars in income tax. And he did say income tax. I heard him specifically. I went back and listened to it for sure to make sure I was not wrong. Do you think that that number is accurate or did he mean to include all of his other? I, I don't doubt that he probably pays that much in if we, if we include other forms of taxes. I mean, I understand he owns businesses and, and everything else. But do you think that it's true that he pays million income tax or was that something he's going to have to roll back later? No, I don't think he did. However, somebody's already popped a fact checker thing up that says he paid one point seven million in twenty sixteen and four point two million in twenty seventeen. Okay, so oh, all right, well then so I, okay. maybe he did. Maybe okay. he did, but yeah, it's hard all, to believe. And all the other tens of millions he's paid in capital gains tax, which is how people right. like him really make their money. They sure. don't get paid ten bucks an hour at Shoney's to break up fights. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> you're welcome for that callback. You, you. <laughs> You're the absolute best. Everybody's going to love. I'm going to have like uh, they're going to. Everybody's going to want coffee with three Calvinists from now on. This is the, you guys are Let's great. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, um, well, I do this every day, so this would be a little <laughs> tough. Okay. So, um, one of the statements that was made was people want their places open. That was what Trump said, and Biden said people want to be safe. Um, that statement kind of rang out with me because it reminded me of a statement. I don't remember who said it, but I know it was one of our founding fathers who said that when we give up security uh, or rather we um, give up freedom for security, we deserve neither. Uh, uh, I don't remember who said that, but I'm sure one of you might remember, but when you hear Biden, well, <laughs> was, was it, was it, I thought, yeah, I thought, I, I thought maybe I've always heard it's a, Tributed to Ben Franklin, but I'm not sure either. Okay. Uh, well, him and Tupac did an album, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, okay. So uh, people want their places open. People want to be safe. I I go out to places, and I have been, you know, I've ever since this all started, I still go to restaurants and stuff, and they, they make me wear the mask. And I do get frustrated with that sometimes, especially when I forget my mask and I have to figure out a way to get around it. Um, do you think that more Americans want, America open or more Americans want to feel safe? Open. Both. For sure. I both. Mean, people, want, people want both. People want to be safe, but they also don't want to be locked in their house for months at a time. America's over it. There are protests in California, giant protests to open up in California. Can you imagine that in that nutty state? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I, I don't think it's an either or it's I not- think, uh, but, but I do think that, we are like to Richard's point. I think I think that people are ready to open it up and take their own safety precautions. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going around licking doorknobs and you know, uh, you know, doing ridiculous things. Yes, you but, are. But 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 the thing that got me like yesterday. I went to one of I went to Casa Maria, which is a Mexican restaurant near my house. I love this place. I've been going there for years, uh, and I walk in. And the lady says, you need your mask on. And I was like, I'm literally sitting right there. I sit at the same table all the time. I know where I'm going. And it's six feet away. And she says, you have to put on the mask for this six feet. And putting on a mask to walk six feet and take it back off is, is the dumbest I've ever felt in my life. Mm. And, and so I, I, think that, I, think that, I think that's going to help Trump. 
in the end because every time we see Biden on television, he's wearing the mask. Every time we see him with Kamala Harris and the and, and others, he's he is showing what what you know what a lot of people are saying it's safety, but I think he's showing uh, you know an unwillingness to to let people make their own decisions. You want to say something, Sam? I can say that was actually going to be my quote of the night. Joe Biden wears the biggest mask ever. (laughs) I literally, I LOL'd whenever he said that it's the biggest mask ever. (laughs) Okay. Well, you're a better man than me, Keith. I've gotten to the point where I walk into, I walked into a family dollar today and the cashier said, sir, do you have a mask? I said, no, I do not. I walked right on in, did what I had to do, did what I had and left. I, I don't care anymore. I'm so over it. It's insane. And that's, and that's what I meant by just answering people want to be open more than safety. Because again, when you think about the countless businesses and people who've lost their jobs because of are choosing safety over, they want to get back to work. They want to get their lives back. They want to try to rebuild what they've lost and choosing safety over being open. Doesn't get that done. That's Period. right. And, and my favorite restaurant closed. The Sunnies that is two miles from my house or three, two or three miles from my house. My wife and I have gone there for years, literally since we got married. We've always lived in this area. That has been our place. We went there to go after church on Sunday and the sign was torn down. And I want to tell you, I had a, I had a guttural response. Mm. And and maybe somebody say, Oh, you're a big baby. I literally like, I like got a little frog in my throat. Like I wasn't going to cry, but I was like this place I have had, birthdays here i have had i mean we've had we've we've gone my wife and i've had so many dates at this place and to go up and to see the sign has just been torn down and so i i typed out on facebook i said does anybody know why this happened and one of the ladies who worked there she said well it's you know we cannot we do not have the income to support this place anymore this is a place that was so full on sundays we would have to wait in line to get in for years. I mean, we'd go there on Sundays after church and it, it, it was heartbreaking to see that. All right. We've, 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 uh, we have had a very, I hope very productive conversation. It's gone long. And if anybody in the listening audience has stayed this long, I want to say thank you because this, because <laughs> we have, we have talked about a lot and I really enjoyed it. Well, guys, thank you both for being a part of the show today. I know it's really late at night and we've gone for over an hour. So whoever listens to this for this long is committed to the show. So it'll probably be my wife and maybe your wives. But if they listen this long, <laughs> not, I want to. Not my wife. My <laughs> wife well, I want to thank, I, I do want to thank you for listening today to Coffee with a Calvinist. This, this show is normally not this long. Normally it's a 20, 25 minute show, but uh, thank you for listening to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Fosky. That was Sam Brown and Richard Roden, and we have been your Calvinists. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. If you enjoyed the program, please take a moment to subscribe and provide us feedback. We'd love to hear your comments and questions and may even engage with them in a future episode. As you go about your day, remember this, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. All who come to Him in repentance and faith will find Him to be a perfect Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. May God be with you.